were listening to KNKR LP 96.1 FM Kohala.
Hey, aloha, kohala, and uh, welcome to our Kuka Kuka show. It's 7.04. Today's December 10th, right on time. And uh, I'd like to uh, 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 welcome all of you in, in being here. And something, something's weird happening. <laughs> Why is that my uh, headphones working? Is your headphone working? I think so. Yeah? My headphones are working. What happened? My microphone. Oh, there, my microphone's working. Anyway, um, I guess that's it. Maybe I can hear myself now. It's, I don't know something's going on. But anyway, uh, we got uh, Councilman Tim Richards with us this evening. And uh, yeah, aloha, Tim. Aloha, Jeff. Thanks for the invite once again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's always my pleasure to have you here. You know, and you just—I know you were. Uh, I, I always contact Amy, your aide, yeah. and, you know, just to confirm. And uh, she says, "Oh, he'll be there. He'll be walking right at seven. <laughs> he's coming in from Hilo. I mean, uh, Kona, and he's got his cowboy boots on." <laughs> <laughs> I rode hard to get here, and I made it right at seven. Amy was right. Yeah, you got I really enjoy. I really enjoy uh, conversing with her. She's. Uh, but any, yeah, uh, just a shout out to Amy. Thanks for, because it helps me, you know. Yeah. Because uh, I'm so absent-minded, and I go, oh, what's happening Thursday? And I go, <laughs> wait, who's coming? But yeah, but I, I just want to take a, uh, just a minute here. I want to shout out to uh, Nohelani Atsuji. Uh, she's my uh, daughter-in-law's uh, halal sister mm. in Akoru. And uh, she tells me, oh, yeah, you know, Noilani always listens in, especially when we have uh, Kule Perez and uh-huh. uh, Keone Kalave. She really enjoys that. I do, too. And uh, just a shout-out to uh, Rick Cohen, my good buddy. You know, Rick, uh, he listens faithfully every uh, Thursday. And, like, when I bump into him at the store or the pool or wherever, uh, he always gives me uh, feedback. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure he's going to give me feedback about our discussion this evening. Terrific. Yeah, you know, I really appreciate that. Uh, he really enjoys it, uh, everything that we do in the show. He really enjoys that. And also my good friend, uh, Sarah Pulley, she listens faithfully every Thursday. Aloha, uh, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you're on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Tony Whittington, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, a lot of things happening, Tim. We've got a Boy, new marriage. A lot's new going on. Yeah, what do you want to share with us this evening? Well, you know, again, we're right in the transition phase right now and um, wanted to talk about the incoming. We had our uh, inauguration and they, we have new council members. We've got two new council members now, Holaka Inaba from District 7, which replaces Karen Eoff. Oh, she did. She term limited out. Oh, she and so the greater Kona area, you know, airport up to Hualalai, yeah. uh, that's, that was Karen's district, and now it's oh. Holeka Inaba. And then District 1, which was Val um, Poindexter, Val Souza Poindexter, she term limited out as well, and she was replaced by Heather Kimball. Oh, right. So we have two new members. Everybody was sworn in uh, on uh, December 7th. And we have a new mayor. And for the first time in the history of our our county, our state, the mayor was sworn in in Kona, not Hilo. So that was a little bit of a different. 
And this mayor, truly, he's he's committed to taking care of the county, the island, and being widespread, east side, west side. Uh, I think he was in Kona twice this week, and it's only Thursday. And so I know he's on the west side this evening as well. So uh, he's, he's getting out there. And administration, um, the, <laughs> the, the directors, his cabinet, have been directed to go out into the communities, get into the communities and understand what's going on. I had a Zoom call. Boy, my days are getting mixed up. Uh, this afternoon with Waikoloa Village, their leadership council, we had Director... Ikaika Rodenhurst, and he was on the call for a short time. Again, meet and greet. And for some of the Kohala members, if you remember, there was a Rodenhurst back Kohala sugar days. Yeah. That was yep. his great-grandpa. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the Rodenhurst family. Yeah, so that was a great-grandpa. In fact, I did meet Ikaika. Uh, he ran for office, right? Yeah, he ran for county council. Yeah, right. And he I made get it to, to meet him. He, he did make it to the um, the general, but he was defeated in the general. And he then turned around and applied for um, director of public works. And he was appointed public works. So he has to still go through the confirmation, but his credentials speak for themselves. How does it work? uh, You know, like, I know there's the inauguration, you got all these new members. How do they go about, how do you guys go about selecting a a chairperson for the council? It it comes down to, it's one of those idiosyncrasies we're governed by what's called the Sunshine Law, meaning, and yeah, you sat on the CDP yeah, and all that. Yeah. You cannot have a meeting with a um, number of people that is more than a voting block, meaning if there's nine members like we have on council, you cannot have a member with more than, um, you cannot have a meeting with more than four of you. And even if you have more than two of you, you have to report it and say you, you got together. <clears throat> and so, uh, but one of the idiosyncrasies is you are sitting council, and it's like Congress. Uh, every two years, you adjourn the council and then reconvene the council. And so when you're in the transition phase, you can have a conversation and seek um, and People who are interested in leadership, they can express their, their interest in leadership. So uh, that's what happens. We had Councilwoman Miley David express interest in leadership, and she discussed this with people prior to sitting this council and put forth her her wishes and developed enough support to become council chair. Also, oh, beforehand, you, yeah. you begin to... Before, uh, before you actually seat, yeah. because once you become seated... You cannot have those meetings anymore. Oh, because of the because uh, of the sunshine. Yeah, oh, that's crazy. It, yeah, I mean the the sunshine brings a lot of good things with it because what it does is it keeps everything very open, transparent. the 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 other side of the coin, however, is it makes it difficult to meet sometimes because you're you have to agendize everything. And if you recall, when we first started in this pandemic, we had quick meetings. Because the under the powers of the mayor and the governor, they are allowed to suspend that um, in a declaration of emergency, so you can quickly get some things done without agendizing. However, um, we don't leave that in place. We get back to normal business because that's the best thing. Keep it transparent. And what about like I noticed, uh, 
different council people, head committees. Uh, how do you guys uh, go about the Same time, it? same thing. And also, it, it comes down to interest. It comes down to aptitude. It comes down to experience. And I will be chairing Ag, Water, Energy, Environmental Management again. Uh, I'm My forte is agriculture. Right. And so... Um, and with agriculture comes experience in water. Energy has been a natural complement of the agriculture, land management, land stewardship side as we go into the renewable resources. So it's a logical one for me. And it's gotten to a point where essentially most things as it pertains to agriculture for our county, um, I'm looked to to have the conversation about. Yeah. Uh, also, a uh, one more question about that. Sure. Um, do you ever have a council person that, just rather not be the head of a committee, or is that sure? Yeah, yeah, that's happened. And um, heading a committee, there, there's depending which committee, there's varying levels of work. And again, it comes down to aptitude um, and what we're interested in. We have um, Ashley Kirkowitz, Councilwoman Kirkowitz, will be heading up planning. That's been a forte for her since she's joined the council. Uh, Councilwoman Leloy, again, public works, which comes back to the whole building permitting process. And also, and this is something she's worked on in her professional career prior to joining council. So you have these different aptitudes coming forth. Um, Parks and Recreation, I think Holeke Naba is going to be heading that one up. He's new to the council, um, and uh, but he has an interest in that. So um, it, it, again, it, it, we have a sort of, um, attraction to the different councils, depending on what your interest is. And that's how we get to those. And then your vice chair, the chair works with the council chair to select your vice chair. And so that was also taken care of. Oh, okay. So if you have an interest in a certain uh, yep. committee or interest that you, you, you kind of put your name out there. Yep. And it's a little different too. Um, we're committee of the whole, meaning Every council member is a member of every committee. And then you have council rules that dictate how you conduct and how you get things on your agenda, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um, so we, we meet twice a month. The first, typically it's the first and third week of the month. Tuesday is committee meeting and whatever committees have come before the council. And then Wednesday is a full council, regular council meeting. And classically, any piece of legislation goes to committee first. And if it gets through committee, then it goes to council two weeks later. And if it's an ordinance, which would be a bill for a law, it has to have two readings in council. So it'll take three meetings to get that done. Oh. So how long did it take you to figure all this out? <laughs> it's a learning curve every meeting. <laughs> um, it, it, it's, it, it's not simple. And yeah. it's not simple to go through all that. And then you have the entire parliamentary process, which um, Robert's Rules of Order are employed, and we are very, very strict about them. I've been involved in some things where they're a little lax on them. The decorum using Robert's Rules makes the thing work far better. And uh, I'm. It, it takes a while to get used to it, but uh, being on other boards... You, you start becoming more trained to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Helps to move things along, I yep, think. Also, it, yeah. it does. And, you know, if there's a disagreement, um, we're supposed to disagree politely and not 
become angry. And so, and Robert's rules help conduct that business going forward. If we disagree, we can be opposite sides of the argument, but you don't have to be nasty about it. You can be very cordial while you're disagreeing. And that's what Robert rules helps. Yeah. Well, that's good. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Because uh, I know at times some people think that Robert rules is a hindrance and a, and a help. Um, if you don't know it, you're kind of left yeah, out. Yeah, if, if you don't know it, it, it's a hindrance. Yeah. And But if everything's going smooth, it doesn't really come into play. It's when things are a little bit rough. That's when it's really helpful. And, you know, Jeff, um, the Future Farmers of America, FFA, yeah. one of the big things that FFA does, yes, it helps teach agriculture, but it teaches leadership. And part of it, it also teaches Robert's Rules because they conduct their meetings very formally. So, you know, as we push to get more FFA into our, our school system, that's one of the reasons. It's not just about agriculture. It's about leadership yeah, teaching. Right. Yeah, I, I would imagine it's also... Uh Introduce them to uh, government procedures. Yep. Government. And then, you know, there are going to be people that come through these programs that are going to serve on different boards and CEOs or, or board of directors for different organizations. Right. Yeah. It's good to know that because when they walk in as a young person and they know Robert's rules, that is one, one thumbs up for them going forward. So yeah. it, it's, it's a good training process. Well, great. Uh, well, let's get to the real juicy parts of it. <laughs> <laughs> All of it's juicy. <laughs> I have, I have. I don't know. You guys got a tough job coming up. Uh, uh, it's going to be real you tough. Know, what I glean from the news articles and what's happening on the state level. and uh, The governors uh, came out yep. about furloughs. Yep. And uh, I know some of the strongest unions are, you know, have voiced opposition to that. But I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here. I don't know what the uh, financials are. Uh, what's your take on it? Um, that's one of my fortes is the finances and, um, the state's budget is their projected revenues are down about 22%. Initially they had projected being down about 15%. Now that they've revised that up down about 22%. In no uncertain terms, the state legislature has told us as a county, um, don't expect much because the coffers are pretty empty which is a problem going forward. <clears throat> We've talked about this before, the TAT right, right. trends and accommodation tax. That's normally Hawaii County got almost $20 million each year. And this last year they said, you're going to get zero. So, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. that, that's a $20 million hit for our county right away. Um, so far right now, our budget, our projected revenues have matched our most, let me back up a little bit. Roughly speaking, our budget is right around $585 million. Of that, about two-thirds, $330, $340 million come from collections of real property. Of that, 50% comes in August, September, and the balance comes in the spring. So far, we have only not collected about 10% of that. Not collected. Not collected. So we collect about 90%, which is what they were trying to budget as we went into this. The concern is next spring, how our collection is going to be. And so our... All right. That's when the next yeah, half is due. That's when the next half is due. Right. And there were funding coming out of the federal government that uh, helped people with, you know, the PPP, the payroll mm-hmm. protection. Uh, there have been some grant monies. Um, there have been programs that have helped people get through, but all of that money ends the end of this month. 
And right, the question is, right. then what? Yeah. And uh, we have a new, another new administration. We have President-elect Biden come into Washington, and he takes office next month. Uh, we were on a call. I sit on the, the board of directors for the National Association of Counties, and the President-elect Biden addressed our board. And it was discussing, um, <laughs> he was discussing his plans for going forward, which is going to be paying attention to the communities, the counties. And something I learned on that, uh, President-elect Biden started out his polit- political career as a county councilman wow. in Delaware, and he was laughing, jokingly saying he gave up county council and ran for federal senator he says because being a councilman's way harder than being a senator <laughs> which made everybody on the, the the call laugh but um he's talking about programs that are true economic recovery um coming so far what we've did was basically programs that were surviving keeping the wheels turning because a lot of uncertainty up until this point um, now we have a lot more clear direction. We have vaccines that, in fact, the COVID vaccine produced by Pfizer was approved in the United States this afternoon. So we just got that cleared, and that's going to be start rolling out. There are programs that will be helping get those vaccines out into our communities. Initially, it's going to be for first responders and for populations at risk. Realistically, I think we can expect for Hawaii state and county, the general population, we probably won't see much of that vaccine until middle of spring, March, April is going to be my guess. Uh, To vaccinate everyone once is over 300 million doses, and I think they've produced 10 or 20 million so far. So we've got a long way to go. Now they're just gearing up, and as they gear up, it'll get better and better, and there's a second vaccine coming out that is pretty close uh, but there's handling issues and yeah. of course there's you know we, we have enough trouble vaccinating people for the flu and that's kind of commonplace now we're going to have to look at the nation and jeff when you and i were young we, we had our um uh smallpox vaccine yeah we had our polio vaccine yeah. and we remember that but there's a whole demographic right. and yeah. population they don't remember they don't, they don't. remember yeah. going to the health department over here yeah. and getting the polio vaccine. I sure. remember that as a small yeah. kid. Yeah. Uh, it was free. Yeah. yeah, it was free. And it was yeah. on the sugar cube. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which was, I mean, that's a different technology, but that was a modified live vaccine back in the day. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, still yet. I mean, you guys got a, I, I, I kind of think like, why would you want to be the chairman of the council? Because you don't face some big problems. But then again, Maybe they got the answers. It, well, and this is what, we, what we're facing it. Um, we have a mayor now with um, Mayor Roth that is very interested in, in engaging council and very collaborative and cooperative and um, <laughs> kind of a funny statistic. I have discussed with Mayor Roth the concerns of Kohala more since he's been elected than I discussed with our previous mayor in the entire time, the previous four years. Uh, and so it's a uh, initiative of this mayor to engage into the communities and get out to all the communities. 
And so you're going to be seeing his directors coming out in public. And um, I've already talked to a couple of the directors as far as coming out and sharing this this radio show and see if we can even get the mayor out and talk to us. That'd be great. So, you know, but I know he's been on here before. I mean, uh, over the years. Yeah. I mean, you know, as, uh, maybe as prosecutor, but mm-hmm. uh, he would come out and talk about it. Remember one thing I uh, attended, he was talking about sports coaches and the uh, contributions that they make, you know, in, in being involved with youth and whatnot mm-hmm. and, and encouraging that. But this was like a couple of years ago. So, you know, so he's been around. I yep. mean, yeah. Well, our our, um, our mayor, I'll, I'll let him tell you his, his background, but, um, and he, born in California and dropped out of high school and came to Hawaii and then decided he needed to finish and went, got his uh, high school degree, went to college, went to law school and, you know, prosecuting attorney, now, now mayor. So he's seen life from a couple of different angles and he's, he doesn't forget it, which I, I admire that in him. He, he knows how to work. All right. Uh, what else is happening on the county council? Uh, well, we're just, we're just organizing, reorganizing. And so, um, uh, that's getting lined up and get ready. Does it take a while to get to know each other? And yeah, you, you, you know, yeah. You, you get your honeymoon um, <laughs> where you get getting to know the people and a little bit tough story. Yeah, and um, we have we've had our official first meeting right after the inauguration, which officially organizes us. But it's really not much more than an organizational deal. And then we have our first meeting. Um, in two weeks, uh, and so that'll be the first time we're starting to conduct business. And um, of course, one of the things that we have to do is um, the mayor's cabinet, which is all the directors, all, all right. the departments. We have to approve those, and so all the directors come before us for approval. So, like a director, say, or a PNR, or do they present their plans for PNR to the council, or they they don't have to do anything like that? No, they, they don't present their plan because. Um, what we have to do is we have to confirm them. They've gone through a vetting process, and uh, Mitch was he, – he put together a whole team to interview, and they did a lot of interviewing. And so he based his selections upon a lot of the interview process and, again, personal relationships. Uh, and then the credentials, you know, the credentials are checked prior them, to them coming to council. So everybody should be compliant with their credentials. Uh, and what we are there is to – sort of vetted out. Um, most of the director candidates ha- are contacting council members to meet them. It, it's kind of like the um, the Senate confirming the cabinet of the president. It's, it's basically but on a minuscule scale, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we're just, you know, if there's questions or concerns, the public weighs in through us and we ask questions and try to get a sense of where they're going. Now, you mentioned Parks and Rec. Um, that's going to be a very <laughs> familiar face. That's going to be Mus- uh, Maurice Messina, who was a deputy before he became the uh, chief of staff for Mayor Kim. And now he's going back to Parks and Rec. And he's going to be the director. And we have a bet. <laughs> I, yeah, I picked Parks and Rec because. <laughs> well, we have a bet. And the Takata Field Kamehameha Park lights. 
I know we're having trouble with those, and so there's a bet that they're going to have them fixed by the end of January. Pow. One-time pow. So um, we have a bet going on with that one. Stay tuned. And I'm announcing this to all of Kohala so you can see if the lights work February but, 1. Oh, February 1, okay. Yeah, the guarantee, I'm told guaranteed by February yeah, 1. Yeah, I see them working all the time, you know. Well, better. Like it's been a problem since I've been in office. Yeah. And I've been looked at so many times. So that is a commitment uh, from the mayor, and we'll, we'll see how that one rolls out. All right. Um, here's one of the questions I was asked to ask you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it's been in the news, uh, White Peel. Yep. White Peel Valley. I was just going to yeah. bring that up because that's one of the things that um, we're, when talking about Amy, we, you know, what what's in the, the deal right now? What's going on with White Peel? Do you have a question, or do you want to just talk story about it? Does well, the, the the eventual question is going to be, how does that impact Polo? Yeah, and yeah. I think that is... Uh, uh, that's the real question. And so I'm sure Tony called you about that question. Uh, no, no. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, do, I, do, I do owe Tony a, a conversation on that, but I thought that was very insightful. And we've had conversations and discussions on both sides with valid points on on both sides. I'm sure there's a good number of people here in Kohala know that YPO road and probably many of them have driven it uh, and some of them have walked it. I've done both and um, I understand the concern for safety Hmm. especially with a high volume of people that don't know what they're doing especially when it comes to the driving side. If they've never been down there before Went up the road, yeah. yeah, and, and you know, there, there's the, um, the, the, you call it protocol, but the yeah, accommodations right. yeah. to each other. Yeah. You're coming down, you got to look far enough ahead, you got to know where the, yeah. where the pullover the, and Right, the pullover, and, and there's one area that's kind of tucked behind. If you don't know that, when you look, you don't see a car, but if you wait a little while, you'll see if something comes around yeah. the corner. And so, I understand that concern. I also stand, understand that people want to walk up and down. Uh, and we have people that want to hike. They want to go over to Waimanu, and how do they get down there? So that's also occurring. They can't leave the car down if they go camping in Waimanu. So I understand that. The interesting question that was brought up is if we prohibit hiking on Waipio side, what does that do to Polulu? And that is a very interesting conversation. We know Polulu is Yeah. Can we inundated. take a short break? Shoot. And, and, and come back to them? Yep. We can kind of regroup here. But uh, we're going to take a station break. Uh, you're listening to KNKRLP 96.1 FM Kohala. And we're here with Councilman uh, Tim Richards. And we're talking about uh, recent uh, legislation about re- concerning pedestrian access to Pololo, I mean, to Waipil. Correct. And how that is going to impact possibly uh, our Pololo Valley here in Kohala. Be right back. DJ Annalisa Remix Bisayan Budot Tagalog Larawang Kupas Unto these hits, Lane and Dub Only here, be nice to hits Every Thursday, 11 to 1 Dito sa KNKRLP 96.1 FM Kuhalas. Okay. 
Okay, we're back here. We're here with uh, Councilman Tim Richards. And uh, we're talking about, uh, well, Waipio Valley, the pedestrian Waipio, access. Yeah. How that's going to impact uh, Pololu, which is, you know, mm, big concern for a lot of people here in our community. I, I think, and that's a valid concern. Uh, if we displace hikers from one side, it's logical to think they're going to go to another side. And that we haven't examined that and considered that on, at the council level. So I think there's more conversation to have about that. We already know, you know, um, I went down with my family to go walk down into Polulu, I want to say maybe three or four weeks ago. And it was crowded. I think I counted 40 cars down there. And um, that, that's what, a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. Couple of maybe four three or four weeks ago now. Wow! And I was kind of shocked. It was on yeah. a Sunday, I think it was, or Saturday, and um, so I was surprised there are that many. And we don't have the parking there. The state is supposed to be building a parking area, and you know, again with the COVID and then lack of funding, I'm not sure how if that's going to be put on hold. That's working with Senator Lorraine and and Representative Tarnas. Well, I was surprised and to the point that if we now displace people from going into the valley on YPO side, we may have more people in the Pololu, and I think we have to consider that. And that's something that I will be definitely discussing at our next meeting. What's the uh, overall, f- I, I, I know they, if I remember correctly, uh, they kind of passed it out to me, not yet, but. Um, They're kind of in favor of it. Yeah, it 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 actually came out of committee, and um, now has to go for two readings in council, and um, we're going to have to see the conversation. Long term is we have to have a overall long term plan for YPO, but we've been talking about a long term plan for YPO for ten, fifteen years, probably longer, maybe more. Yeah, so. Um, I don't think we're the, we're ready to even have the final conversation of it yet. I understand the safety, but we also have to understand the ramification impact of others like Pololu. So um, that is a very valid point, and we got to discuss that. Yeah, I uh, my wife's uncle, uh, he was from Ilocos Norte, and he came to the uh, Big Island in 1936. And uh, he didn't get along with the plantation. I think he uh, supported Malapit. <laughs> so he was blackballed. So the only job he could get was uh, working uh, taro field. Mm-hmm. Oh, he said, white peel. But he enjoyed it. He loved it. It was like, you know, being back home. Mm-hmm. But uh, my job, or me and my wife's job, not job, but he lived there. And the only thing he really needed was scratch feed for his chickens, saloon pilot, a coffee, and he grew his own tobacco, vegetables, whatnot, and he worked for Ahoy, and, uh, you know, raised taro and, you know, handled the mules and all that kind of stuff. But every we'd go down at least uh, once a month, and I'll tell you, Tim, that once a month, yeah, I dreaded it, because you've got to go down that road, and like you said, we're going down in this blazer, Chevy Blazer, they're big SUVs. Uh, and you're right, you gotta look way down the road and see if anybody's coming up. Yeah. And then you gotta time it because there's only certain portions of that road that's wide enough right. to allow two vehicles. 
And man, I would sweat it, you know. I'd go down, wait, see if anybody's coming up, and then shoot to uh, to get to the next uh, pullout. You know, if there was a car coming up, and they look down again, and then <laughs> they'd take off. Oh man, coming up is all right. Yeah, because I'm not on the side that you're gonna fall off. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'll tell you, uh, there's times I had to pull off on the side. Oh my gosh! And my wife is looking out the window. She says, "Okay, a little bit more. Okay, stop." You know. Like, oh man, it was. So I, 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 I yes. Yeah, and, and there's there's a definite safety concern. That, now know. we put pedestrians on there. So how do we how do we deal with that? And you know, people have asked, "Well, what about another trail?" Okay, that's a cliff, which means you're going to cut trail. Mm. You know, it's possible because it's been done, but it's not simple. So. There's a bigger conversation to have. Yeah. Well, There's a bigger conversation. In, in looking at that situation, I'm going like, <sighs> I don't know. This is a, you know, it's tough. Yeah, it, it's I a tough know. one. You go down to the beach and a good portion of the beach when where most people go on the, the Hilo side of the river is Kamehameha School. And Oh, they own it. Yeah, they own it. And so, and but there's Lua's down there, but the Lua's only get serviced, I think, once a week. Oh, wow. But it's Kamehameha School, and, you know, it's not fair to tap on Kamehameha School if this is being used by the public as kind of a public park. And so, again, there's a bigger conversation to have yeah. on all this. What kind of impact do you think it'll have on Pololo? I mean, you know. Well, if we were to shut it, I think we're going to see a substantial increase in hikers because hikers, most of the hikers that come, are not coming from Kukui Haile or, right, or Honoka. Right. They're coming from someplace further away. And so driving to Kohala versus Honoka'a is probably not that big a difference for them. So 25 minutes. So I don't yeah. think... I, I I think that's a consideration that we he, need to have, and you know, Kohala is my district, right? And I'm going to be very concerned about the impacts of Kohala. Uh, would it be for for having more people come through town from an economic standpoint? Yeah, there's a potential positive there, but Polulu's not set up to deal with what we have going on there now, right? And if we had you know even twenty to forty percent increase. That would make a bad situation way, way worse, so we got to have that conversation. There's other uh, issues, of course. You know, it's like, like uh, facilities. Right. Uh, parking. Mm-hmm. Safety. Right. Pololo uh, has uh, a really bad rip. I mean, I, I've surfed out there, and I've got caught in that rip, and uh, at that time I was a very strong swimmer. But I, I'll tell you... Uh, I didn't know if I would make it back. I, I mean, I wouldn't drown or anything, but, you know. But I didn't want to go out into the bay. <laughs> <You know>? Right. <laughs> There's animals out there. <laughs> there are animals. But yeah, you know, it, it's a dangerous place too. Yeah, it's, a, a, it's not a. I mean, it's it's the um, Hamakua Coast. That is not gentle ocean. That's coming off Alinui Haha. Yeah. You know, so I mean, it's very dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so I can see where some of the people that, you know, they did approach me on this. I told them, you know, I always have a Facebook page, and I say, mm-hmm. Tim's coming. And if you have any questions, you know, 
to uh, so put it on. if the question from Kohala, what are we going to do about it? <clears throat> We're going to have the conversation because this was brought to light for me, and this is something I had not considered, and this is something I'm very con- very much considering now. What is going to be the impact? And we're not going to throw a problem on one side to another side because out of sight, out of mind, no, it's going to be in our backyard. And so I'm very mindful of that. So we're, we're not ready. There's a bigger conversation to have and a bigger plan to figure out how we're going to deal with all of this. You know, we've talked about how are we going to redefine tourism, both people right. from outside but also our, our local tourism. Yeah. Um, and we have to be mindful of that as we go forward. We can't just make decisions without understanding the consequence of those decisions. So this is a good conversation to have. I, I know that's been one of uh, the things that uh, during the campaign, uh, maybe it wasn't one of your campaign messages, but I remember you speaking about uh, how do we define tourism today? Mm-hmm. You know, I, uh, I think there's a way forward, but we have to have that conversation, you know, and, and the um, Big Island uh, Tourism Authority, the um, the group that takes care of tourism on our island, does not market YPO as a destination. They're very careful about that. It comes through the online stuff and, and all that. But the bigger picture there, again, at any given time, up until the pre-COVID, um, you know, whatever you want to call it, March, at any given time, we have 200,000 people on this island. We had another about 50,000 visitors on any given day. And so 25% of the people on this island were tourism, were, were tourists. And for our economy, and you know me and I was talking about the numbers, um, about 40% of our economy was the tourism dollar. And so that's why when we shut down our tourism by 99%, that's why our economy took such a huge hit yeah, right. up front. And um, I remember years ago, I was talking to Kikilani Kainoa, and she told me, she says, you know, Tim, if, if we work hard to keep tourism truly authentic, not what we think it should look like, but truly what it is, said then that tourism will be something that is very special. No one can replicate it because it's, it'll be truly authentic. But we also have to be very careful how we steward and go forward with that. And one of my um, beliefs is that if we blend tourism with agriculture, and what I mean by that is give people, you know, we have the Farm to Plate initiative that's been on for 20-some years. Um, But if we get people the opportunity to see true agriculture, I think we're going to help our society as a whole not just Hawaii, but um, United States as a whole, because people don't have no understanding of how hard it is to raise food. And if they see what the work, the level of work it takes, I think we're going to actually have better public policy coming forth because people have a better understanding about agriculture. Here in Kohala, everybody gets it. You know, they see what agriculture takes. And, um, but there's a vast majority of our population that doesn't. And so if we get more experience, and I think we can use a blending of that tourism where tourism and tourists and thereby the people become more appreciative and respectful of agriculture and what it takes to do that, I think long term 
we're going to do a better job for our, our society as a whole. And so that's one of my right on. I agree with that. Yeah, pet wonderful. projects. Yeah, I uh, and Peel, uh, like when we'd go down and you know take stuff to uh, Uncle Takio. You know, it's a farming community, right? And I, I was impressed. Well, all the old timers they're longer there. Yeah, uh, their their sons and daughters and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But uh, th- was very close knit. Very. They all worked together. Yep. You know, and I remember, I was driving up, you know, going up the hill, and uh, yeah, you know, I'm going along, and all of a sudden, this horn toots behind me, and this Hawaiian lady, could have been one of the, my wife's relatives, <laughs> sticks her head out of the window. They're loaded down with bags of taro, and she yells out. Hurry up, you know, and, you know, I'm cruising, right? But they got a lot of weight, and they got to get up that hill. And they can't stop. No, they can't stop. They can't they stop because they said they're going to start again. Yeah. And so, and, you know, that's <laughs> another thing. They're just, they can't stop. And um, so it's not as simple. People just stop. They cannot because no, they they'll never start again. Yeah. And um, and that is, you know, we've got a good, strong farming community down there. Yep. And taro grown in our state right now, we only grow about 75% of what we eat. This island, this this huge island, we only have about 75 acres of taro growing in this whole island. That includes dry land as well as the lo'i. And statewide, we only have about 450 acres in taro. So, um, market opportunity. You know... I remember winning on Pratt Road, and I was explaining the situation where the Awai was blocked mm-hmm. by a boulder, mm-hmm. and so they couldn't get water to their uh, Awai. I mean, to their uh, Loi. And I remember you telling me, "Oh, uh, you know, you would help them out." Yeah. And then I, I thought, "Oh, hey, look, Councilman Tibbs said he'd help you out because uh, the Awai was in a on private land." And they said, "Ah, you know, nah." Uh, uh, they were kind of like dis- frustrated, you know. They figured, ah, nah, it's okay, it's okay. And then this was like, you know, what, um, last year? Or yeah, I don't know. 18 when, months. Yeah, was yeah. And then I saw him. I said, hey, how's it going? He said, oh, good. What you up to? Oh, we sit down in Aloy. I said, really? He said, yeah, the uh, the landowner uh, realized, like, oh, how important that was. That's terrific. Yeah, so they removed the boulder. They got water going to the lo'i. So it worked out pretty good. I just that is good. Oh, I appreciate that because yeah. I've wondered about that. And, yeah, lo'i, the um, Awais have precedence. They really? have historical standing, and you cannot shut them off. They, they have their standing. So, um, And the reality is the vast majority of people are not going to shut them down. There's a reason they were put there. Right. And they've been there not for generations but for many, many, many generations. So there's a reason for them to be there. That's why, you know, if, if we find one that needs attention and we need to be sure we get some help getting that done, I'm, I'm all in. I'll, I'll help get so that what done. you're saying is that, that, that Loi has this precedent historically. Yep, it does. As as far as water, and um, you cannot shut off the um, water to a, a Loi to a Awai because the, and this goes back ancient, um, that has that that precedence to keep taking the water out of the stream. And I think, Jeff, you and I talked about this. I'm um, looking at some of the other Awais I've looked at, and it's really interesting to see what the ancients did. Yeah, yeah. 
And you know, it took by my eyeball, and grant, you know, these things are hundreds of years old, but you know, they took a lot, but not all. You know, like maybe fifty percent, right, 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 you know. Right. And so I think they're very mindful of you gotta leave stuff in the stream, but it's okay to take some because we're gonna put it on the land and eventually it's the the whole cycle. So um, it's important for our, our agriculture going forward. Yeah, you know, I, I uh, have a friend, his name is uh, Brett Lama Sr., and he has a small little group of kids, mm. and they uh, they work with the uh, forest and trail, mm-hmm. and they got where they have their, I don't know, tour, where uh, they have some lois, and so they told Brett, won't you, you know, uh, Malama in this area, and, you know, they work together. And the low is like, oh, jeez, I'd say at least 20 feet above the stream. Wow. So this, yeah, oh, why, it's coming <laughs> way up. Yeah, it started way more. Yeah, uh, you know, when, and I, I looked at it and went, wow. <laughs> you know, these guys are really ingenious, boy. But, you know, you're, I'm sure, you, you know, like at uh, Kilkea, mm, yeah. where the hell is, that I've walked through that. I've looked at the low heat system, yeah? I was just there a couple of weeks oh, ago. Yeah. I saw that, yeah. We, w- we couldn't go down with uh, Lou, so I went down, and my kids wanted to play in the stream. So we're sitting there across the stream. I looked at them, I said, this is like old Lois. Yeah. Right right, right across from the, the pavilion. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know Nani Swenson? Hussey uh, family. Uh, from uh, New Lee. Okay. Um, I'm sure. I, I, I uh, won't say. If you, yeah. yeah. But. Uh, they had a property there, mm-hmm. and it was like all overgrown, how, what not, but it has all this low e system that was all buried under this. So. But she uh, took it upon herself, she and her husband, and just cleared the whole area and all the low ease. You know, I was thinking, like, I, I walked that, uh, in fact, I went and took pictures because I was just amazed at the boulders they used to construct these low ease out of. They're huge, you know, right. huge. And I was thinking, wow, here's a system that's just sitting there. Yeah, I don't know who owns it, but, you know, private or I don't know, county or what. Yeah, I, I don't know, but, yeah, in- interesting. As we have this resurgence, reawakening, yeah. um, you know, a couple, oh, and it was um, Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I was out at Kahua Pa'amua's dedication of their yeah. new soon-to-be certified um, emu. And, you know, again, that's a kind of back to the future where... A new certified Ibu. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Department of Health, so you can have commercial production. <laughs> and I tell you, ingenious. Ingenious. Oh, so we can't do any more black market stuff. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not going to have that conversation with you. <laughs> but, um, no, but, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah because... Wow. Um, that's good to know. Yeah. And so they're, they're striving, and they've worked very closely with the Department of Health, and my understanding of they're imminent as far as the approval, uh, it's all uh, concrete. I, um, uh, I don't want to overstate what the manufacturing is, meaning is it fire brick or whatever. But anyway, so it can be cleaned out, hosed out, drained. Cleaned and everything. Cleaned everything. And so, um, and I was there for the inaugural. Wow, that's uh, interesting. Good and, to know. Yeah, terrific. It yeah. was really good. And understand the food came out perfect. Oh, yeah. So, you know, had oh, built wow. a fire, had the stone, heat the stone, put banana stump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put the, um, they, they had stainless steel baskets that they put in there, and then, again, the burlap. And then, the ingenious, they covered with um, a plastic and then had a trough that they weighted down. So, 
well done, very well done. Oh, it's so, good to know. Yeah. And this is uh, could be used for commercial. Yeah, that that's the intention. That's David Fuertes. Yeah, and yeah, all, yeah, and, yeah, right on. Um, they're they're trying to get it up and running so it'll be available to the community as a whole. Um, which again, you know, FFA. <laughs> oh, FFA. Here we go. You know, back and then you know, raise the pigs. Yeah. And they want to put it, put in together a um, a whole processing plant and a slaughterhouse and all that. So. You know, taking steps towards the right direction. Then we have more community self-reliance, food production self-reliance. And and that's uh, a big part of the uh, CDP plan. It's, yep. Yeah, yep. I know that came out of uh, that group with Fern White and David yep. and all those guys. Yep. Yeah, I really appreciate it. You know, especially today, Tim. Oh. I'm really concerned about the food line. You know, I got a call I mean, wow. from... Um, Agriculture people, and the our challenge right now with Young Brothers and the tariff increase of 46%, what does that do to agriculture? I said, you know, it, it kills agriculture. And we have the big production potential of the Big Island, but the market is Oahu. But if we price ourselves out because local uh, transportation is too high, and, you know, we, we have the conversations all over, but... To that end, is transportation something we as a society need to recognize that we're going to have to subsidize it? And I raise that question because, um, you know, the initial pushback is, no, you don't want to subsidize anything. I agree with that to a point, but we have our mass transit system, our bus system. Right now, the budget for that is $10 million a year, and we collect less than a million dollars in rent. subsidized. Hugely subsidized. But that is common across the nation across the world. You subsidize mass transit because the economy that that supports right. helps subsidize it. So, you know, I'm looking at our, our intrastate shipping, the barge system, how do we better take care of that, which better takes care of agriculture? And because um, I think we can become a net exporter of some of our products, our, our cattle industry, we already have to, because we produce more than twice the amount of beef that we would normally consume. So that has to leave the island. But what if we kept more of it here and finished it here and processed it here? I think there's opportunity. So this gives us an opportunity to be innovative. I mean, during this uh, pandemic and and looking for new ways like tourism. Exactly. And I think we can do that um, sitting on these national calls. Um, It's been my long belief, and I think talked about it, that our our direction for recovery, we're going to have to reinvest in ourselves. Back, remember, we, I think we talked about the CCC days. Oh, back, right, you know, right, right, Post depression, right. yeah, yeah. and uh, we have a new administration coming in. Some of the comments were made were reminiscent of the those Roosevelt days of reinvesting in our our communities. If that comes to fruition, that's where I think we're going to get the capital investment to build some of these facilities, to build some of the renewable energy things we need to get done, whether it be hydro, photovoltaic, wind, whatever. Uh, But tie all this stuff together so we become more energy self-reliant, we become more food self-reliant, and thereby we become more independent. And I think that's what we need to strive to. All the time while we're doing this, we're going to be building... um, building an economy that'll employ our people, afford the housing, afford a 
higher quality of lifestyle. So I, it's a good direction to go, but we have to invest into it. It almost sounds to me like there's a plan that it did your head there. There's a big plan in my head. <laughs> <laughs> i got to convince but, others. <laughs> but you know what? In talking with you, uh, I'm looking at my notes. You know, I've taken some notes here, and it looks very dire. But in talking with you, I get this feeling, wow, there's hope. I, there, there, it's, there's more than hope. I, I see a good horizon before us. It's yeah. going to be hard. But this is a time to redefine how we're going to function. And um, though, you know, I, I don't want to make any um, cavalier statements about, oh, yeah, yeah, don't worry, we're going to get through this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. going to be tough. No, yeah. But we have a time, and this is the only time in your my lifetime, that we're going to redesign how tourism is going to be impacting our community, how agriculture will be recognized in our community. And we can we have the opportunity to, to redefine it, redesign it. So let's do it. You know, I've been running into uh, these young guys. And when I say young, you know, they're yeah, they're young, thirties. <laughs> it, it's a relative, <laughs> yeah, thing, right? yeah, yeah. You know, thirties. Yeah, that's young. You know, from where I'm standing. But uh, their their Ohana had lo'is on their mm-hmm. uh, kuleana. You know, and these guys are opening it up and racing tarot and stuff and even I ran into uh, a young man that I knew and we were they were giving away free huli and so oh, I went I just to see uh, some varieties see if they mm-hmm. but we were talking and, he, and I said oh you're planting tarot he said yeah I said where he said oh in my yard you know and he uh, he's raising his own tarot right in his instead of mowing the lawn you know he goes out there and he works in his uh, little lawyer, so, you know, it's pretty cool. That Opportunity. Yeah. You know, and I think um, right now on this island we have the Ulu Co-op, and it's a federally recognized cooperative. They've been able to do some good things because there's money, money under USDA, uh, Rural Development Funds, that support recognized co-ops that allows them to build what they need to to promote and extend the co-op. Let's do the same thing with Taro. Right on. Yeah. I'd be interested. Well, <laughs> I, I, well, I love growing that stuff. Stay tuned because we're going to talk story more about All this. Right. Now, getting back real quickly, I know we got like a uh, minute and a half here. Getting back to the Polo Lu uh, mm-hmm. and YPL. Will there be an opportunity for the community to, to weigh in? Yeah. Um, what and, we'll and not provide a testimony. I mean, you know, really sit down and yeah, kind of I, I think we have to have a um, probably the wait. What I would quickly say is we're going to have a community meeting. Problem is we can't have a community meeting the way it is now. So I guess we, we could try and do a community Zoom. Um, we, we need to have the conversation. We have to need to have the conversation yeah. with the community. So I think Jeff, what I'm going to have to do is I'll reach out to you guys and see if I can get someone to help me set up a Zoom platform. I think uh, we can use Waimea, the, um, the community association. Um, I'll see if they'll help us set up a Zoom meeting so we can do that. Maybe have a talk story that way. Yeah, yeah, that sounds That'd good. That'd be a good thing to do. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see these young guys get involved. Uh, yeah. they're, they're out there you know, raising tarot and other things. And, uh, you know, you talk about farming. 
Polulu Valley, turn of the oh. century, they used to raise rice. Almost all the rice on this island, as I read, but def- definitely within the district, came out of Polulu. Yeah, and uh, I remember some other places in Kuala, they, they talked about uh, the old-timers. Mm-hmm. Well, so-and-so used to raise rice over here. And, uh, yeah, it's great, great. Tim, we're out of time. So jeez. This hour went fast. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, I like to talk about well, eggs. We'll talk more <laughs> about it. We talk story a lot, don't we, Jeff? Yeah, I know. But, but thank you very much. Thank you, Jeff. And, uh, yeah, if you have a special guest you want to bring next time. Yeah, we're, we're uh, going to work on this administration. We'll see if we can get Yeah, that'll be next year. <laughs> I mean, next year. <laughs> <laughs> but Kohala people out there, uh, I hope you enjoyed our program this evening with Tim Richards, our councilman for uh, Kohala. And, uh, you know, at any time you, you have questions or anything, uh, you know, just let us know, and uh, we'd be more than glad to uh, discuss it. But thank you for tuning in, and we're going to see you uh, next Thursday. And Tim, we're going to see you in January sometime, and yeah. hopefully you have a special guest with you. Aloha, everybody, and happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everyone. Okay. Aloha, and uh, have a great holiday, and take care, and be safe. Aloha Country on KNKRLP, 96.1 FM, Kohala.